Feast of Tabernacles begins Sunday night at sundown, like this, and it goes for seven days. And it's called the, the it's the last feast of the seven mandatory feasts. It's called the greatest feast. And it runs from the 15th to the 21st of the month. So it's a, it starts on the 15th and it's seven days long. And it's called Sukkot. And we're supposed to build booths out in the back. That's the Hebrew word for booth, Sukkot. And it's built in a certain way. It has certain kinds of leaves on it. And, you know, you can see the, the moon and they get raindrops on your head through the rafters and all that stuff. And it's designed that we should go out and live in this booth for a week of the feast. It's designed to remind us that this place is not our home. We get all wrapped up with our church and our house and our job and our money and our bowling league and whatever it is. It doesn't matter. You know, in the scheme of things, that's all going to burn anyway. So the point of this whole feast is to remind you that this place is not our home. And it's, of course, the last feast. And if you recall all of the previous feasts, the things that they were predictive of, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the giving of the law, all of those things happened on the exact days of the feast, right? Jesus was crucified on Passover. He was rose, risen, raised at, at the Feast of first fruits. Um, the spirit was given, the law was given, the church began, the nation of Israel began all on Pentecost. And now we're heading into these fat last three free feasts. And you have the, the Rosh Hashanah, the new year, new beginning. Okay. You have uh, Yom Kippur, the atonement. And then you have tabernacles to remind you that this place is, is not our home. So all of those things, and it depends on your eschatology and what you think the end is going to be like, and it, you know, it doesn't matter. But those things make up anybody's eschatology, right? There's an atonement. There's a new beginning. There's this new house. Those are the things of the Feast of Tabernacles, of Sukkot, of these three feasts. And personally for me, I don't see any reason how you can look at this and not think that they're going to happen on the day because all of the other ones happened on the day. So as we approach uh, Tabernacles on Sunday night, it's always, you know, it's always worth keeping an eye out. Because one of these years, it's going to be the year that these things happen. Okay, so it begins on the 15th. It goes for seven days. 15 is the Hebrew for rest. And of course, seven is perfect or complete. So this feast, just by the days, would indicate it's, perfect rest or complete rest um, reminds us it's not of our home it comes during the time of the latter rains whenever you read scripture about the latter rains that's always the second coming which of course fits in with this whole concept of these are the feasts at the end that will involve the second coming if you believe in the rapture our rapture the getting to the, the house of the Lord and all those things um, during this feast on the first day there would be 13 bulls sacrificed. Then on the next day, 12, the next day, 11, 10, okay. You go through all those, quick, how many is that? Right, 70. Okay, so 70 is the number of the Gentiles, the nations. So it seems like this feast 
is even pointed at the Gentiles, which a lot of the other feasts are because they're on Sunday, not Saturday, and all of that stuff. Uh, during this feast, in, in the good old days, when Jesus was around, they would erect four menorahs, you know, the big candlesticks, that were 75 feet tall, and they would put them in the court of the women, which is the court outside. The, the men would go in, and then there's the Holy of the Holies. The women would stay on the outside so that when the men came out, they could explain it to the women, because you know how women are, what do he say, what do he say? And then the man would have to recount everything the priest said, and that's how he learns it. And the women can learn it the first time, apparently. But anyway, that's a whole other story. So you've got these four big menorahs at the Feast of Tabernacles, 75 feet tall. Menorah has seven branches. So it has seven bowls. Each bowl held seven gallons of oil. So you've got 49 gallons of oil, which is the number of judgment. The wicks in these huge things, the spargano, it's called in Greek, are the, because they're sanctified. And if you're a priest, you wear linen garments that are sanctified. Well, what do you do with linen garments when they're soiled, that are sanctified? You can't just throw them away because they belong to the Lord. So what they did was all of the wicks, and of course, this is what they wrapped the baby Jesus in, was these things, but that's a whole other story. Um, they would make the wicks out of the spargano, the, the torn linen sanctified garments for these uh, huge menorahs. And it's said that these menorahs were so big and cast so much light that boats in the Mediterranean could see them. 40 or 50 miles away, they'd see the light. So this was a big deal. And of course, there was a huge procession and all this stuff that happened every night. The, the, uh, the candlestick, and not necessarily these, although these were a replica, but the candlestick, the menorah in the temple, of course, is made of gold. Gold speaks of deity. It's beaten and burned in the furnace 24 times to get 24 karat gold, which is the same picture of the Lord. It has six arms on the menorah, which is the number of man. It has one shaft, which is the number of God, of course, and God, the one shaft supports the arms. So God supports the man. Three branches on each side, Jews and Gentiles, uh, law and prophets. It has 27 ornaments on one side, which is the number of books, oddly enough, in the um, Old Testament. There are nine ornaments on the shaft and 27 more on the right. So the nine and 27 is 36. So that's the, oh, it's the other way around. 36 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. Uh, seven bowls altogether, which is a number of perfect to complete. They're filled with oil. They're not wax candles. So that's a picture of the spirit oil and not man's wisdom. It has three what they call knops on it, which is, of course, a picture of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Nine ornaments, uh, Holy Spirit, nine gifts of the, all that stuff. Twelve, uh, it has twelve different artsy things on it, which is the, the twelve tribe. Anyway, the picture of the menorah is... You know, you could spend a year figuring that out. It's it's just an awesome picture of all that stuff. So anyway, the, the, the menorahs going up, they're, they're being lit. They would always send, you know, these are 75 feet up. And the guy's got to carry seven gallons of oil up to each one of these. So who's going to do that, right? So they send one of the little 
in, intern priest sent to do that. Um, it was while that's going on, Jesus speaks to the crowd and he says, then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk, walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. Okay. <clears throat> so the, the last day, every, every day of the feast, they would have a water ceremony. So the priest would go down to the pool of Shiloh, bring up some water, and they would pour it out in the altar. They were pouring out, you know, like, like the Lord was pouring out his blood. So on the last day, they had this big deal where the priests would go down and they would get, uh, I think, seven gallons, barrels, whatever their ephahs, you know, of, of water. And then they would have a similar amount of wine. And these guys would go out to the pool of Shiloh, which I think is the west gate. And then another group of priests would go out the east gate and they, and the brook Kadesh, they, they would cut holy. They would cut uh, willow limbs that were 25, 30 feet long. And they would bring seven of those up. So you've got the priests with the water coming up from one side. You've got the priests with the uh, uh, willows coming up from the other side. In the middle, which would have been in the, uh, in the tabernacle, well, the, yeah, the tabernacle. In the courtyard of the tabernacle, there's another priest who oddly is called the pierced one, and they, the Jews can't even tell you why. He's playing a flute. So he's bringing the water up on one side, and he's bringing the, the willows up on the other, and they make this whooshing sound called the ruach, the wind, which is also the word for spirit. They meet in the middle. They pour out the water that they brought up, they pour out the wine, and they can't tell you why they're mixing water and wine together, but they do it. And it's in the middle of this. This is called the, the greatest day of the greatest feast. This is the biggest deal there is. Everybody's excited. Everybody's shouting. And, and, and just this, this is the deal. This is the climax of their whole deal. In the middle of all this, John records in chapter uh, 7, the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow waters of living, rivers of living water. So that's what's going on. And I would add that this is the last day, the greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's Jesus' birthday, because he was born that day 33 years previous. So anyway, that's Tabernacles. It's coming up. Monday's not a work day. Um, so it celebrates all week. So next week, we'll do some more Tabernacle stuff. But at 11 degrees, we're probably not going outside. <laughs> Although we could. So one other thing. The Old Testament prophet Zechariah, in chapter 14, verse 16, says this apparently random thing. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep his feast of tabernacles. So the feast of tabernacles will continue for the thousand years that the Lord is here, which is kind of interesting. Because that means it hasn't been fulfilled yet. So the Feast of Tabernacles, this idea of this place is not our home, obviously won't be fulfilled until we get to the house of the Lord, which will happen after the thousand years.
It all fits together nicely.